How many of you still use these? You know what this is? You remember these? The hardest part, the hardest thing about a map was getting it to fold back up, right? You remember the days when the glove compartments in our car were stuffed with these maps? And uh, you used to collect them. I had a collection. I probably had maps of about 40 states, as well as, you know, the big ones that showed the eastern United States, the western United States. And when you would plan a trip, what would you do? You... you you see these yellow marks on this one here? Yeah, that's what you'd do. You'd chart your course, right? And, of course, then they came up with this beautiful invention. How many of you had a, a Garmin or a Tom-Tom that uh, halfway through your trip you'd get frustrated because it'd fall off the windshield? You know, you remember those those suction cups on the dashboard of the windshield? Any of you still have one of these? I found this one in my closet yesterday. Uh, I guess if I charged it, it, it would still do something. I, I don't know. But um, that's, that's not what we use today. Most cars nowadays come with a GPS already built in, or we use things like this, right, a smartphone or, or something, and, and uh, you can even just talk to it and say directions to, and there it is. Really changed a lot over the years, hasn't it? But in many ways, what I want you to think about today is that life is, is like following a map following a, a Garmin or a Tom Tom, a GPS. Here's where you are, and here's where you want to go, and how are you going to get there? How many of you are planning vacations for this summer? Anybody got a vacation already planned? Where are you going? Just tell me, where are you going this summer? All right, you know where you're going? Do you know how you're going to get there, driving, flying, what your route is, etc.? cetera? This, this is a map of the state of Maine, and years ago, when our kids were younger, our church, we did, our youth, we did a mission trip to Portland, Maine, and Stephen went with me and the youth of our church. And, and uh, after the mission trip, Monisa and Jacqueline flew up. We met them in Portland, and we were going on vacation for a couple of weeks up there. And uh, this is the map that I actually used, and we wanted to go up to Acadia, to the National Park in Bangor, and, and so I'm charting it. And we made the decision to drive along the coast and all along the coast we would stop at little towns and you know get out and climb on the rocks and go to you know lighthouses and different things and and uh the journey to acadia now see if i can get this thing folded back up does anybody remember how to fold these things i don't miss these i like i still look at them every now and then but let's see yeah <laughs> Out of, out of practice. <laughs> but sometimes, if you're not careful, you'll focus so much on where you're going, you forget to enjoy all the things along the way. And life can be a lot like that. You need to have the right destination in mind, but you need to also understand that, that life is not just the destination, it's what you do on the journey to that ultimate destination. When Monisa and I were even younger, we were vacationing for the first time out in Arizona, just the two of us, and, and uh, spent two weeks out there, started down in Tucson, and made our way eventually up to the canyon, and spent time in Vegas, and then we're driving over to Albuquerque. We wanted to spend some time in that part of New Mexico, and along the way, 
just after you cross over into New Mexico, I forget the name of the town, there's a, there's a little state park, and we had planned to stop at that state park because they had some uh, Native American artifacts and some uh, dances and different activities. We wanted to check that out. And, and so we pulled into that state park. Now, remember, this is, you know, pre-internet days and Google and all that. And uh, so we pulled into that state park, and we're, t- you know, we're, we're touring and doing everything they, they have there. And we why are all these cars in this massive parking lot? And there's just a few of us here at this Native American thing. And what we found out was back behind the state park was this huge rodeo stadium. And they were having one of the big rodeos. Now, if you've never gone to a rodeo out west, you haven't gone to a rodeo. I mean, their stadiums can be like high school football stadiums here. I mean, they're big, and, and it's, it's a blast. And so we said, let's check it out. And it was one of the best things we did. So every time that we travel to the southwest, where there's Texas, Arizona, those areas, we always try to find, is there going to be a, you know, a, a big rodeo while we're there? Because there are, how many have ever been to a big rodeo out, out west somewhere? Aren't they a blast? I mean, they really are very entertaining. And, and what I learned was a lot of times great things happen along the way if you'll allow yourself to experience them. But what you encounter along the way in large measure is shaped by where you're starting and where you're going. And the attitude you have about where you're going and how you're getting there influences what you do along the way. Life life is like that. We're we're all on a journey. Do you know that every person in this room and every person watching by television and every, every person in this city is on a journey to somewhere. Some choose where they're headed. Others just get out of bed and end up somewhere. But everybody's on journey. Everybody is going somewhere. It's a matter of are we intentional about it or not. And, and some people plan how they're going to get there. Others live like it's a, a roll of the dice. Just leave it all up to chance. And for a follower of Jesus Christ, God in his word says your ultimate destination is already chosen. If you're a follower of Christ, if you love Jesus Christ, if you've been saved, if you've been forgiven, you've been born again, you have a relationship with Christ, your ultimate destination is already decided. It's heaven. And you're on a journey from the here and now to the then and there. You're on a journey from salvation to eternity, from earth to heaven. Now, here's the thing. As a Christian... Because we know where we are going, that is to shape and influence what we do on the journey there. The Bible says we're to have a certain mindset as we travel from here to there, from earth to heaven, during our pilgrimage on this planet. And I want us to look at that this morning. And so I invite you to take your Bible and open it with me, please, to the book of Philippians chapter 1. What I want you to keep in mind when we read these words is the Apostle Paul wrote them, and when he wrote them, he was in jail. He had been arrested for the gospel's sake. 
He was being persecuted, if you will, as a preacher, as a missionary, as a follower of Christ. And he fully expects this is the end. He fully expects that the the likelihood is at the, the end of this experience he'll be executed. And so he he says some things that I think are very informative in Philippians chapter 1. If you, if you have your Bible and the words will be on the screen and they're in your notes as well, let's look at what he says beginning at verse 21. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now what he's telling us there is that his ultimate destination is incredible. It's gain. If I die... it's a profit, it's a benefit to me. If I die, when I die, there's gain because he knew he was going to heaven as a follower of Christ. And then he says, between now and then, here's what my life is. Here's how I approach every day. My life is what? What church? It's Christ. The Bible says we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. And so the Apostle Paul here says, my life is Jesus Christ. If you want one statement to summarize how Paul said a Christian is to view his or her life, their journey on earth is this, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Christ, it's Christ. Now our world says it's self. And many times those of us who go to church and say we're followers of Christ go along with the world. More than Paul, we say it's self. It's not Christ. But the Scripture says the way we approach our journey is my life is Christ. It's not Christ is part of my life. It's not Christ helps me with life. My life is Christ. Now, that's a radically different way of approaching life, isn't it? Now, look at verse 22. He said, but if I am to live on, if I don't die, if I, if I continue to live in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. He said, I'm not going to waste my life. He said, if God gets me out of jail and I continue to live, I'm going to pr- continue to produce fruit for him because Jesus is my life. I, I'm going to work for him. There's going to be fruitful labor for Christ who is my life until I die. And then he said at the end of verse 22, I I do not know which to choose. Do I want to go ahead and die and experience all the gain that awaits me in heaven? Or do I want to continue to live for Christ here and, and produce things that are good for Christ? Work for him in a way that is that is profitable. Verse 23, but I'm hard pressed. From both directions. He says it's like I'm being tugged in both directions, heaven and earth, then and now. My my gain or or serving Jesus faithfully now. I'm hard-pressed from both directions. Having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is much better. I mean, you do understand that you're never going to experience anything in life that compares to what you're going to experience in heaven, don't you? The Bible says your eye has never seen, your ear has never heard, your heart has never imagined what God's prepared for those who love him. You you take the very best thing you've ever experienced in life and you can increase it infinitely, infinitely. And it doesn't compare to what you have waiting for you in heaven. And Paul says, man, (laughs) I, I want that. 
Verse 24, yet to remain on the flesh is more necessary for your sake. He said, because my life is Christ, living here is not just about me. It's about the difference I can make in other people's lives because Christ is my life. Then verse 25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. He says, I'm going to be here a little while longer, it looks like, and maybe, maybe, and if I am, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you continue moving forward in your faith and in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, what does that tell us about the way the Apostle Paul said Christians are to view our journey to heaven? What are we supposed to do along the way? If, if, I'm, if I'm traveling from Portland, Maine to, to Acadia National Park up near Bangor, am I just to focus on, on where I'm going and forget everything in between? Or am I to have a certain attitude on the way? If I'm traveling from Tucson to, to Albuquerque, what, what's my attitude supposed to be on the way? And, and if I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, what's the attitude I'm supposed to have on the journey? You see, if I know heaven's my ultimate destination, that shapes how I go about living between now and then. And and the light of heaven that fills my heart and fills my soul is to shine out into this world and let others know there's a great destiny they can have as well. You ever uh, been on a vacation and and it was so incredible that... uh, when you got back, people wished you'd stop talking about it. Huh? Why, why, why is that not true of us in heaven? Of us in Jesus? Of us in forgiveness? Of us in salvation? We're so excited about it. It's so incredible. Sometimes people wish we'd just quit talking about it. The problem is we hardly ever talk about it. Look in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. Paul says, if, if I am being poured out as a drink offering, if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, in the Old Testament, when the priests would offer an animal sacrifice on the altar of fire, whether it was a a ram or a lamb or whatever the animal was. It was accompanied by what's called a drink offering. It was a a cup, a container of wine. And how much wine was in the cup would depend on what animal sacrifice was made. And after the animal sacrifice was made, the priest would take the cup of wine and he would pour it out beside the altar. It was a, an offering to God on behalf of the worshiper who brought the sacrifice to the priest. And, and the Bible talks about it being a, a pleasant aroma to God. This, this is, was a gift to God. And, and Paul is saying his life is like a cup of wine. And it's being slowly poured out on the altar of Christ. My life is Christ. 
and, and to, to, to die is gain, but to live and, and to be here is to, to serve him and to benefit others uh, spiritually. And, and he said, my life is being poured out like a drink offering as a sacrifice, as a sacrifice and, and a service of your faith. Now, what Paul, what, what's Paul telling us? He, he says to the Philippians out there, a church, a church in Macedonia, he helped found and start. Some of these, no, no doubt, he led to faith in Christ. Think of him as the, the father of this church. And he says, if I continue on in my life, it's, it's steadily, the whole time I'm alive, it's like that wine is being poured out. The years are being poured out. The hours are being poured out. The energy is being poured out. All the resources are being poured out. My life is being poured out as an offering of sacrifice and service to God, he says, for the benefit of those he's talking to. Now, does that mean Paul had no fun along the way? No. Because when you serve Christ, you have fun. Life is good. But what it says is his attitude, his attitude was life is not about me and mine and what I want. It's about Christ and his and what he wants. And I'm being poured out as a, as a drink offering. And it's a sacrifice, but it's, it's for the service, it's for the sake of, it's for the benefit of others. It's just the opposite of how a lot of religious people approach life. Y'all remember Paul Harvey, the rest of the story? Back in the 90s, he told about a woman who one Thanksgiving called the, the headquarters of the, you know, the butter, Butterball Turkey Company. She wanted to know, she was asking them on the phone, she wanted to know if it was okay for her to cook a, a turkey that had been in her freezer for 23 years. <laughs> they told her if it had been a constant temperature below zero, it was probably safe, but it wouldn't taste very good. She said, well, that's what we thought. We'll just donate it to the church. <laughs> that's the opposite of Paul saying my life is a drink offering, isn't it? And I look at this congregation and I, I, I see some people in this room and you know people, you know people whose lives are more like Paul's than um, that lady, don't you? Now, unfortunately, we all know some people who are more like that lady. The question is, which, is you, which, which are you and which one do you want to be? Uh, be encouraged by those. I, I want to take a, a, just a, a brief few moments and talk about our church. And then I want us to look at another pas passage where Paul talks about this stuff. And uh, as you know, uh, we're focusing on paying off our debt. But I want, I, want to, I, want, I want to think for a moment about our relocation journey. Um, You've been seeing in your bulletin and social media some little just historical snippets, pictures, if you will, of the of the past. And and uh, you've heard me say a couple of things about this recently. But uh, I did this a few weeks ago. I want to do it again. 
1996, 1996 is when we bought this property, 52 acres here. I asked you to do it a few weeks ago. Let's do it again. If you were here when we bought this land in 1996, would you wave at us? Just wave at us. Wave at us. All right? Now, those of you who were not here in 1996, you've become part of this church since then. Would you stand? Go ahead and stand up right now. Go ahead and stand up right now. Go ahead and stand up right now. And remain standing. Go ahead and and stand up. Now, look around, everybody. Look around. Does it look... Does it, does it look like the church has done nothing since 1996? And do you know that the sacrifices of, of people who said, my life is like, a, like a, a drink offering, pouring my life out, pouring out my prayers, pouring out my money, pouring out my service and my witnessing and my inviting people. And this is, this is what happens. Thank you, and you can be seated. How many of you were with us in 2003 when we broke ground. And near this very spot where the sanctuary is, how many, how many of you were here for the groundbreaking ceremony? Wave at us. Real high, real high now, real high. Okay, all right. How many of you were, were here when we had the first worship service in 2004? All right. How many of you were not here when we had the first worship service in 2004? Wave at us. Wave at us. How many were here in 2007 when we opened Phase 2, the, the, the rock and the apex and the gym and the office? How many of you were here when we did that in 2007? All right, thank you. How many of you were not here when we did that in 2007? That's, that's part of our journey. Now, this church's journey goes back to the 1800s. But that's, that's the relocation journey. And, and we said we want to pay off the debt on all of that history. We're calling it six and six, praying for God to give us a miracle of six million in six years. And we call it a miracle because based on our giving and attendance and size church, it will take a miracle to do that in six years. History says we could do maybe four million. And so we're doing two campaigns. And the first campaign of three years ends this month. And, and, and then the next campaign begins next month. And we'll make our commitments the last Sunday of this month. And and. We're continuing to pray. Remember, pray six, the sixth of every month. Pray for God to give us this miracle. Now, at its peak, after we opened phase two, our debt was just in excess of $8 million. When we started this focus three years ago, our debt was about $6.2 million. Do you know what the debt on the, on the campus is now, what, what's happened in the last three years? Today it's about $4.2 million. We're on track. We've reduced it by $2 million in the last three years because of the generosity of people pouring out as a drink offering. And I think we owe God glory for that because it's a work of God. And for those of you who were not here three years ago or haven't read the literature, we're paying this off because we have a low interest rate that expires in a couple of years, so we want to take advantage of that and save interest and save money, but also to be ready for future opportunities. Those things that God's going to ask us to do, we don't know anything about. Now, let me help you understand why that matters. This is my passport. On Thursday night, I was in a meeting with other pastors and, 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 and our city police. And afterward, I was talking to a couple of pastors, and one of them one of them had been asked to go on a mission trip out of the country. The timing was such, though, he couldn't go. Not because it wouldn't fit his calendar, but because he didn't have a passport and didn't have time to get one before they left. 
I don't know where God's going to ask me to go next year, two years from now, three years from now, four years from now, but guess what? I can go. Monisa and I are thinking about uh, spending a few days up at Niagara Falls this summer as part of our vacation. I can go over to the Canadian side. <laughs> Falls are nicer on that side. Without this, I can't. So I don't, I don't know what God's going to ask me to do, you to do, this church to do in three years and six years and ten years. But we need to have a passport and be ready. And, and, it, and do you know that God can ask us to do things before the debt is totally paid, but because the debt is not $8 million or $6 million, today it's $4 million, or in a few years it will be $2 million or less. We can do things today we couldn't do three years ago, all because we're on journey, we know where we're going, and we know how we're going to get there. See, the same principles apply whether it's to this church and our ministry together or to your life as an individual follower of Christ. doesn't mean that uh, once we live, leave Portland, Oregon, we don't do anything until we get to Acadia up near Bangor. We stop along the way and do things along the way. doesn't mean this church isn't going to do anything until we, we, we totally pay the debt on this relocation process. In fact, all, all of you who stood a moment ago and said you were not here in 1996, You've become part of this church since then. That's evidence that the church has not said, well, we're doing nothing, we're doing nothing, we're doing nothing until we get to that day. We're still serving Jesus along the way because he said the purpose of the church, and listen, it hasn't changed, and churches all say it the same way, but you can't improve on what Jesus said. He said, make disciples. That's why we're here, and we keep doing that. We just keep doing that. Pouring out life as a drink offering, serving for the, 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 the development of, of others, the salvation of others, the, the spiritual growth of others, and, and, and doing it in big ways and, and, and simple ways. Monisa and I got to have some fun Friday night. We had a, we had a parents' night out up here at the church. We, we had 65 kids, but 65 kids up here Friday night, and uh, <laughs> uh I don't know if I should say this or not, but, you know, we're not exactly the church of get here on, on time or early. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Huh? Seems to be our culture anymore, isn't it? <laughs> I've never seen so many young parents get to an event at church early as I did Friday night. <laughs> As, as some of us, you know, cared for and played games with their kids so they could have a couple hours to go out and eat dinner and have a date without <laughs> wiping noses and stuff. I have one, one couple, to, to, they told me it's the first time they've had an evening out together without the kids in two years. Do you, do you think that was a blessing to that marriage? <laughs> they they get out of their cars and they came running with big smiles on their face. Then when they got back from the date, they were smiling, but they weren't running. <laughs> uh. 
You know, t- tonight we're having a banquet for widows and widowers in this church. I'm, I'm thankful we're a church that's got every generation in it. Are you? So what do we do between Portland and Acadia? What do we do between salvation and, and heaven? What do we do between relocation and the, the debt being paid? We just, keep, we just keep pouring out our life as a drink offering in the service of Christ for the spiritual development and the salvation of others. That's what each and every one of us as followers of Christ is supposed to do. Our, our word for 2018 is invite. I've already spoken to two or three people this morning who are here because somebody invited them to come. People need you to open your mouth and say, come, to invite them. Next Sunday afternoon, we're going to have an outreach blitz. We want to knock on the door of 200 homes next Sunday afternoon of people who've expressed interest in this church. Can't do that unless you do that. We need you here next Sunday at 3 o'clock. You can sign up on the Connect card. There's a checkbox. You'll have a gift. You'll give the gift to them, encourage them, and invite them. That's what we're going to do. Now notice Philippians 2.17 again. Chapter 2, verse 17, after Paul says his life's being poured out as a drink offering and as, as a sacrifice and service of your faith for the, for the development of others, notice he said, I rejoice. I rejoice. Does it, does it sound like Paul begrudged his life? Does it sound like Paul viewed pouring himself out as, a, out as a drink offering in the service of Christ for the spiritual benefit of others? Does, does it sound like he thought that was a horrible thing to do? He said, I rejoice. He found purpose in it. He found meaning in it. He found happiness in it. And the result of Paul living during his journey between earth and heaven with such an attitude is that people were saved and Christians grew. Lives were changed. And when he got to the end of his life, he was satisfied with it. One last passage in 2 Timothy chapter 4, a little bit later, Paul is facing death and he says in 2 Timothy 4 verse 6, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come departure his death and I fought a good fight finished the course and kept the faith have you are you and in the future there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness he said my ultimate destination heaven again where, where, where i receive more where where, there, where i experience the gain he said there's a crown of righteousness that the lord the righteous judge 
will award me on that day. And then he says, hey, but it's not just for me, but to all those who love his appearing. He said, you, you, you can have the same destiny. You, you can have the same Lord give you a crown of righteousness. You can have the same rejoicing. It's all about how do you view your life while you're on journey here and now. How do you view the role of this church and this community between now and heaven, between now and the time the debt is paid? How, how do you see our ministry? What, what is it to be about? What is our lives to be about? What is your life to be about? Paul said it's Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ. It's Jesus Christ. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we humbly bow in your presence. So very, very thankful that Jesus emptied himself and poured out his life on the cross for us for our sake and we thank you for the joy we have when we are able to pour out our lives in the service of Christ to make a difference in this world And Father, I pray that you will speak to our hearts. Help us to hear your voice and to obey your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing. You're invited to make your way to the altar and pray. Make spiritual decisions. Brother Jamie is here. Counselors are here. I'll be here. Come and say to, say to us, today I want to join First Baptist Church or I need to be baptized or I want to commit my life to Christ and become a Christian. Come and kneel at the altar and pray. How do you see your life? How do you see your journey? What's God saying to you? How do you see our church? What's God saying to you? Let's sing together.